Misfits in the Book of Mormon is now available on Amazon.com. Who were some of these misfits in the Book of Mormon, and what can we learn from them about belonging in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? And how can we fill a stronger sense of belonging with Christ? You can find out more by reading Misfits in the Book of Mormon, now available on Amazon.com. You could also check out my other books, including Oh Lord, My God, The Jesus You Need to Know, The Prodigal Son, and I Survived, Now What? Finding Meaning from Loss. Hello and welcome back. I hope that you're having a wonderful day and that it's only going to get better. This is Misfits in the Church, a show designed to help individuals who struggle with belonging in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints while strengthening our faith. Do you know what you're really singing at church? A lot of the hymns that we're singing are based on Old English language there's a lot of things. I'm almost like reading the scripture. Scripture. Sometimes you're you're reading it or you're singing it, and you're going, "What was I singing?" Or sometimes it'll be a really incredible tune, but then you start looking at the words and you're going, "I don't even know what that means." So there's a lot of different hymns like that. Maybe you have a very uh, or a better vocabulary than I do. And uh, it's never confusing to you, but there are a lot of different songs that I'm, I'm singing and I'm wondering sometimes, what in the world am I singing? So just a little bit of a warning, some of the things that I'm going to be sharing in, in this, I, I can't be held liable. You know, if there's, a, if there's a hymn that you sing from now on and I've, that you've enjoyed and I've completely ruined it because of things that I'm sharing with you, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just giving my own personal experience on some some of these things. Okay, with that caveat in place, I don't really have a rank system for these different hymns because there's you know there's some that I like and I'm thinking what am I singing and there's some that I don't like where I'm going. So there there's not really a clear categorization, but if I had to pick one song that I dislike the most or one hymn that I dislike the most, it's Have I Done Any Good? And you might be going, what What are you talking about? How in the world can you not like the song Have I Done Any Good? Well, let me clarify. I love the melody. I love the core idea that we are encouraged to do good. I, I love the playfulness of, of the tune. But here's the part of the song that bothers me greatly. Matter of fact, I usually won't even sing this song because it bothers me so much. I know a little too much, but here we go. In the song, it says, Have I cheered up the sad? Make someone feel glad. If not, I have failed indeed. Hey, folks, what are we doing? Are we really encouraging or requiring or expecting other people or ourselves to be responsible for other people's emotions. Yes, we provide service. We do all that we can to help cheer people up. But hey, you know what? 
if you're sick today, if you're struggling with autoimmune symptoms, if you can't, if you can't make someone feel glad today, then buddy, you're a failure. And I know maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going over the line. What, what, what do you think? Do you think that's, if that's too much or not? But uh, that's, that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. There's been different times in my life where because of some health issues, wasn't able to get out of bed or I was struggling with feeling like, hey, you know what? I just, I'm, I'm really just, it's an accomplishment just for me to be at church or for me just to be out of bed today. And then I listened or I sing this, this song or this hymn of praise and of worship it sounds wonderful, and then it tells me that I'm a failure because I'm not doing all these different things. This is the worst song per, for perfectionists or those who are struggling with scrupulosity. If you haven't heard that term before, scrupulosity is essentially perfectionism in the gospel, where we feel like we have to do everything perfectly right in order to be okay in order for God to love us. We have to be perfect. We have to do everything perfectly. We have to go to the temple every single week. We have to read our scriptures every day. We have to have the perfect family. Like, we have to do everything perfectly or else we feel like we're failing in the sight of God's eyes. So yes, we are commanded to take, carry each other's burdens, but for us to make someone feel glad, for, for us to... You know, if we don't always cheer up the sad, I'm going to have to do a little bit of investigation into this. I, I recall at this moment that uh, the the language on this used to be even even worse, you know, more discouraging than, than it is now. So anyways, I'm just going to leave it there, though. Okay, uh, the second song that I kind of raised my eyebrows about a little bit is Now Let Us Rejoice. Page two, very popular song as well. Very commonly sung in general conference and state conference, ward meetings. So there is a lot that I like about that song. But one of the things that I dislike about the song is in the chorus for verses one and two. And it says, none will molest them from morn until eve. And I just think, you know, can't we change that? As someone who has ex who has been the victim of sexual abuse in my childhood, these kinds of hymns can be very serious and hurtful triggers for reminders of things that have happened to us. Now, I know not everyone is going to go through this, but I'd like to suggest that that's a that's a word. I I know what it means. I know what it means. But there's such a sexual connotation to that that I think that we could at least change the that word um, and and still have the uh, you know the the hymn with us. Okay, another one, and I've I've kind of bounced back and forth on this one, and it is hymn number twenty-seven, praise to the man. Now I. I truly love this hymn, and I, I, oh boy, I can't even ex express my appreciation, my respect, my admiration for the prophet Joseph Smith, all that he did, despite all that he has experienced. I've, I've had some very 
personal and spiritual experiences that have given me a great testimony of the prophet, okay? However, this concept of praise, I, I kind of... I kind of struggle with that. You know, we we might praise people for the things that they've done, but in the in the context of worshiping, I I feel like in the context of worshiping, we're singing a worship song, we probably should only be giving praise, that kind of true praise in our worship to to uh to the man, you know, who is Jesus Christ. And I and I think, man, that would be that would be just the perfect hymn, praise to the man, you know, of, of who is Jesus Christ and what it means to be a man in our society today. I think that's that's very, very important. Uh, another hymn that's kind of interesting in its language is hymn number 57, We're Not Ashamed to Own Our Lord. And just that whole idea we're not ashamed to own our Lord. Um, you know, I, I understand it. Uh, we, we belong. We need to own up to belonging to the Lord. We've taken his name upon us. But again, that kind of idea of do we own the Lord? Of course, we don't own the Lord. I mean, he's our master. If anything, he owns us, right? Uh, again, I know I know what it means, but it's kind of a kind of a weird way to say it, especially in today's culture. You know, a lot of, a lot of times in, in uh, sporting competitions, they'll be uh, trash talking. Hey, I just owned you, you know. Um, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a little too analytical here. Another one that I've, I, when I, when I, sing it, it's a beautiful hymn, but I'm, I'm thinking, what, what did I just sing? It's Lead Kindly Light, and it is on page 97. And I'm referring to the third verse where it says, Will thou lead me on or moor and fin or crag and torrent? I'm not even sure if I pronounced all of those, but I'm thinking, okay, what's a, what's a moor and a fin and a crag? You know, um, so a moor is a tract of open, uncultivated land, and a crag is a is a is a C R A G is a steep or rugged cliff. So that's just something to keep in mind, I guess. Uh, another one is page three oh seven in our lovely Deseret. I don't actually don't hear that song very often anymore, but I remember while I was growing up, and I was taught that Deseret me, meant honeybee in the Jaredite language, and uh, so you know, I'm singing in our lovely Deseret. I'm thinking in our lovely honeybee. That doesn't that doesn't sound right. Well, for those of you who live outside of Utah or are unfamiliar with its history, um, Deseret was a proposed territory. It wasn't it wasn't approved, but it eventually became the state of Utah. So you're you're essentially saying in our lovely Utah, really. <laughs> what you're singing so you know uh you might might say hey wait a minute what about our lovely washington or our lovely oregon or lovely new york or something right um okay here's here's a very unusual hymn that uh, I, I think i've only sung once or twice ever in lds ward 
well, I haven't sung it anywhere else, but it, it is in hundreds, if not thousands, of other hymnals of Christian Christian religions. And it is on page 102, and the title of it is Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Now, again, kind of when we use the word lover, a lot of times we're, we're typically thinking of in a romantic sense at, at the very least, right? And the concept of lover, you know, I, I actually talked about this recently in an Elder's Quorum lesson, and there were a lot of, you know, eyebrows that were being raised to me going, what are you, what are you talking about? And I pointed out to him, Jesus, lover of my soul. What, is, what does that mean? Well, G Jesus loves my soul. And, um, you know, I don't, I think that's a part of it, but that's not, entirely true. In the biblical sense, when they're referring to lovers of God, so for example, in the in the Bible, it talks about in the last day, how individuals will become traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It's, it's not just this is weird, okay? So I'm I'm just gonna bring it up because it's it's in the scriptures. I don't I don't really understand it fully, but it's in the scriptures. Okay, so um, lover basically when you when you think about it, think about when when people are engaged, uh, you know, or or dating, and and uh, you know what's a date anymore? But any, anyways, they're. They're in a long-term relationship, and at the very beginning, at least, all they want is they, they want to see each other. They want to be together, and, and they're inseparable, and, and they'll do anything. They'll, they'll put aside activities. They'll put aside things just to be with that person. And I think sometimes in our, in our church that we kind of, we're kind of like, you know, let's be proper, and let's be responsible. And I, and I, I fear that sometimes we, we don't really... You know, we've lost that loving feeling, essentially, toward toward God. We've lost that loving feeling toward our Savior. And um, what I mean by that is that that passion, that intensity for Christ. Um, we, we appreciate him, but we're kind of like, okay, you know, we could cry about it. But, um, and, and testimony meetings. And I'm, I'm not undermining the, those emotions. I'm just saying... Are we really that enthusiastic? Are we really that passionate about Christ? And I, I think we could do better. And I think Jesus, lover of my soul, is is really a reminder of that. Now that hymn was not written by a member of of our faith, but it's um, it's also interesting that there's some of the verses of that hymn have been omitted before it was included in our hymnal or in our hymn book. One of one of the verses that was omitted before putting it in the hymn book, and some of the text was saying, "Thou, O Jesus, art all I want." And there's this again, this passion. It's not just you know, I I love my Savior. It's you know, I'm so passionate about my Savior that I want to be with Him more than anyone else. I will do anything that I can to to be with Him. And I again, I worry sometimes that we that we miss that. And, and it's, it's kind of weird to me. We've, we've recently studied the Old Testament of how 
the, the church and Christ are in, you know, this symbolic or spiritual wedding relationship and how Christ is sometimes referred to his people as being unfaithful to him as the bridegroom. So again, it's, it's a little bit odd to me. It's not something I fully connect to, but it's something that I've really greatly thought about. And I wondered, am I, am I being as passionate about my relationship toward Christ? Am I, am I wanting to be with him more, more than anyone one else? Anyways, just, just some ideas. Uh, another hymn that everyone knows about is If You Could Hide a Kolob, hymn number, hymn number 284. And a lot of times while growing up, I would get to the point with my friends or in honor missions, we're singing, there is no end to this song. By the way, some, of, some people think, oh, this idea of high, if you could hide a kolob. Um, high in this context means to go or run quickly to. And just to, just a little point of clarification, this is not, a lot of people like it high as in high Hitler. Uh, no, not, not the German Heil. Uh, Heil in Hitler means hell. Um, like we sing all hell, uh, you know, they were worshiping, if you will, Hitler. But that's not that's not what we're talking about in this hymn. It's H I E, meaning if we could go there very quickly. Some other hymns that can be kind of challenging, particularly to people who have experienced abuse from their parents, might be families could be together forever, or I am a child of God. You know, there's this question of where I'm I'm born in the covenant, or my parents are sealed together, but they were abusive. Do I, do I really want to be with them together forever? And I, I know the response on this. People say, well, you know, you're, you're not going to be forced into a kingdom and those kinds of things. Uh, I, I am a child of God, says I was born with parents kind of dear, kind of dear, <laughs> sorry. I was born uh, to parents kind and dear. And, you know, if you weren't born to parents who were kind and dear, if you were born to parents who were very critical or shaming, Sometimes that song is not a pleasant song to sing. It can bring back memories that you don't want to hear. So I'm not I'm not trying to get rid of these songs. They are beautiful songs. They are they are they are meant or designed to point us to the importance of families and the importance of families and eternity and how that's connected to God's family. All those things are very important, but just keep in mind that some people do not find those hymns as comforting. I think another hymn, boy, in our society today would, would be, Oh, Say What is Truth, number 272. What is truth regarding gender or family or the social sciences or politics? I mean, just everywhere that we look in our culture today, the importance of what what is truth. It seems like truth a lot of times they say, well, you know, we, we're learning more about truth. And I think, no, you know, it's, it's uh, that the, the goal line on what is truth has changed every, every couple of years. And it's, it's frustrating. It's a, it's a reminder that only God's truth will endure for eternity. And there's a lot of songs that I, I wonder why 
why we're not singing anymore about standing up for the truth or um you know there's there's a lot of songs out there like hymn number 60 battle hymn of the republic i I don't hear that hardly ever more and i i fear that in our society and our in our faith culture that sometimes we've made christ into this teddy bear or big brother character who yes he is loving but he will he will have justice and um you know i i worry that we sometimes ignore that part of our savior and our lord and our god that sometimes we don't we don't want to scare people away or get the wrong idea about the savior but the reality matter of fact in elders quorum that is teaching one of one of the persons made an excellent comment he says you know i have a hard time reconciling the god of the old testament who sometimes was very very much focused on the law and very much focused on um you know, sometimes punishment or destruction and justice, reconciling that God with the the Jehovah or God who came as Jesus Christ, who was merciful and kind. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that for a short moment. And, and I said, yeah, sometimes it is very hard to reconcile. Is, is God a God of justice or a God of mercy? Yes. Is God a God of love or he is he a god of destruction yes you know i i can't like isaiah said his his ways are higher than my ways and i don't understand what sometimes feels like contradictions to me but again i i fear that sometimes we leave those kinds of things out um about about jesus and about god that he you know he will not be mocked that there will come a time when um you know there 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 will be there will be destruction again okay uh some other songs about or hymns about standing up for right which i very seldom hear anymore you know what um as we're marching on to glory do what is right let the consequences follow onward christian soldiers up awake ye defenders of zion we are all enlisted uh, you know verse two there hark the sound of battle sounding loudly and clear come join the ranks come join the ranks we are waiting now for soldiers cruel volunteer another hymn is behold a royal army again i i fear kind of as i as i as i talked about before in a previous episode i i fear that sometimes in our culture that we have forgot how to fight for truth that we have forgotten how to stand up for truth and i worry that sometimes in our faith culture that we are focusing you know we we see the word being peacemakers but we are becoming pacifists really and i i do worry about that i'm not i'm not a prophet i'm not a leader of the church okay i I don't speak on behalf of the church i just i just worry and i wonder if the youth of zion are getting these mixed messages of wait do i do i assimilate do i do i fit in you know this whole concept of in the world but not of the world i i fear that we are becoming more in the world as we are becoming quote unquote more more tolerant sometimes um yeah who's on the lord's side who okay uh and then some other songs like 
lot, a lot of these Sunday school songs. We don't sing that because, well, we usually don't sing songs before Sunday school. Um, and then the priesthood songs. Well, I was growing up, ye elders of Zion and behold the royal army. And um, when I was a youth, um, it was, we are as the armies of Helaman, which which was very interesting. There was There was usually only one other youth my age and so neither one of us wanted to sing and we were essentially forced to sing that song together and we stood up and started to sing and and he stopped singing it for whatever reason it was just me and oh boy that was that was bad <laughs> um but yeah these these are just some of my ideas about the hymns things that i i wish would change things that are a little awkward or odd or things that are really great ideas, but sometimes we don't really understand what we're singing, and so it'd be good to know what we're singing so that we have a better idea of them. So let me know what you think, either either on Facebook or on Twitter, about the hymns that you enjoy or hymns that you have questions or concerns about, hymns that you wish would would be removed, or maybe some hymns that you wish were were added, hymns that other faiths are singing that you wish that we would sing. So take care. Have a great day.